This is the Shoot Once Podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome everyone to the Shoot Once Podcast. Uh, proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. I am sorry about how last week missed an episode, and the one we did was kind of short. I was on vacation, so things were kind of crazy. Um, had some technical issues as well as just, you know, how it is when you're away from home. Things are crazy, and you're just trying to get everything else in and, and get things done there. Uh, oh, boy. It was it was a heck of a trip. Good times. To, did a fun trip down with the family down to Florida. Took a couple days down to Disney, and then spent some time down on the keys. Um, it was a great kind of almost end of winter kind of, kind of trip. It was really neat. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, but that's, that's it. I did get the time to, to kind of check out the trade deadline stuff. And if you listen to the show from, from, uh, the, after the trade deadline, you kind of got my general thoughts on the blue jackets on that day, which were, I mean, they really didn't do much, which is, what we all kind of talked about and expected there really wasn't much to be done uh, for the blue jackets on the trade deadline. Cause things are just so up in the air right now. Um, I, I mean the one thing, the one, the one caveat I will add to my thoughts on the trade deadline. So there was the trade sending Milano for, uh, for, uh, yeah, what is it? Kevin Shore there, which at the time I didn't like trading away sending Milano. I, I still think sending Milano can be really good in this league. I will say, you know, I'm getting a, uh, you know, you're getting a sense with, with Shore that you've kind of, you might have a decent player there. Um, so, I mean, if he turns out to be decent, I, I I don't know how much the trade will be that big a deal, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, we're seeing in a few games, we're seeing, mostly what you're seeing out of Shore recently has been, he seems to be a good passer for 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 what he is. I mean, that's that seems to be what he can do really well. So, so we'll we'll you know we'll watch that, see how that goes. But again, they weren't active at the trade deadline. Didn't really expect them to be. But hey, jump into the shows we normally do. Don Lashusian's playoff projections uh, as of Sunday morning, which we're recording this Sunday night. Uh, the Blue Jackets are all the way down to a a fifteen percent chance to make the playoffs, and and. Honestly, the the t- something that happened when I was on vacation quite a bit was I did keep up watching the games, and you know what? It wasn't fun. Uh, it was not. Uh, I mean, you know, if you, the time I was on vacation, we had both both games against the Flyers, and then both games against the the Wild, and there was a game against Nashville in there as well, and it just wasn't great was not not a great time as far as watching blue jackets games um a lot of bad losses a lot of getting outplayed and and so you can see why the the percentage dropped so much now where the team has stayed lucky is a lot of the people there with them in the standings didn't also i mean there's been this big slowdown um the exception of the flyers there's been this huge slowdown when it came to what the Metropolitan Division's been doing. Uh, there's a, you know, for a while there, there were people talking about how, oh, is it possible that a, there's some people even throwing out the idea of a 100-point team missing the playoffs, and I, I don't think that's a, a potential case at this point. I don't think many teams, I, mean, I don't think you're going to get like a 100-point team missing the playoffs. And I mean, putting this into perspective, looking at the Metro, I mean, Philadelphia in their last 10 is 8-2. Washington's four, five, and one. Pittsburgh's three, six, and one. 
The Islanders are three, five, and two. The Jackets are two, four, and four. Carolina's four, four, and two. Now the Rangers have caught fire. They're seven, three, and zero. Oh. Um, but it, you know, what you're really seeing is that a lot of these stayed there. So whereas the Blue Jackets are in a real rough spot currently, they haven't. I mean, the season hasn't been lost because well. The other teams just have also... It, it, there's been this overall slowdown of the Metropolitan Division. Um, so it's kind of been helpful. Now, as of today... As of right now, with as rough as the last couple weeks have been, the Blue Jackets are still in a playoff spot as of today. Um, they've got 78 points. Now, where they're in trouble is... The... The other teams they're competing with. So the Islanders have 78 and have pay, played three less games. The Penguins, who are third in the Metro, have 80 points and have played three less games. Carolina, who's behind them, has three points less, but has also played three less games. Um, and the Rangers are behind by four points and have played two less games. So we're, we're in a place where, I mean, obviously the Blue Jacks have to take care of their own stuff. But... They're in a place where they are, they're not totally in control of their own destiny. Because if all these other teams start winning out, start winning a lot, you can't guarantee you're going to stay above them in the standings. I mean, Carolina's got three points. If they come back in those three points, or if those three games, if those were all wins and they add six points, they're up to 81 points in 67 games, which is not good for you. Now, you know, the Islanders could theoretically do the same thing. The Rangers, if the Rangers win both of theirs that they have in hand, then they just tie the Blue Jackets. Um, But they do have more regulation wins and more regulation and overtime wins uh, because the Blue Jackets are staying where they are by virtue of 14 overtime losses. Which is a lot. I, I Is it the most in the league? I mean, when you have 14 points built off of overtime losses, that's something else. I think they have that at this point. I think they have the most overtime losses in the league. Yep. Boston's there with 12. But Boston only has 32 regular losses, or 13 regular losses, whereas the Blue Jackets have 21. So there's a big difference there in the standings. Um... New Jersey has 12 overtime losses. Ottawa has 12 overtime losses. So, I mean, the Blue Jackets having 14 points off overtime losses is kind of crazy at this point. So, I mean, it, it's it, it's a it's going to be a weird run to the end um, for this team and, and what's going to happen there with them. I mean, it, and then this week we've got that crazy Western road trip. Anyway, getting into the rest of the show as we normally do it. Um. So these these last couple games since we've since we've talked last just haven't been good. Uh, I mean the the Blue Jackets have got blown out by the Wild five nothing, and in that game they didn't control puck possession. They gave up their you know they gave up scoring chances. They had lower expected goals for, and then tonight against the Canucks same thing it didn't have puck position didn't have anything tonight where the team was able to pull it off is they they had a wild crazy comeback um 
I think uh, Money Puck was showing the odds, and I think at one point Blue Jackets were down to a 2% chance of coming back and then pulled off that wild comeback, which was awesome to see. And it's the kind of game that illustrates for you because I mean they've 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 lost plenty of games like that this year where where they where the, if the roles were reversed where essentially they did what the Canucks did where they outplayed the opponent and then the opponents just somehow got away with a win, um. So winning the occasional game that you don't quote unquote deserve to win isn't the worst thing in the world. But what tonight showed is that when you don't have your most talented players in the lineup how much it affects your team. Now, some of you may be saying, hey, but they won. What, what do you mean it shows how that affects them? Tonight was a game that Zach Wierenski kind of just took over. Um, late in the game, he was creating chances. He was pushing offense. He was scoring goals. He was assi- getting assists. He was playing really well. And prior to this game, when... They taught when they when they showed that uh, Ryan Murray was coming back for this one. In my mind, I was super happy about it, and the reason for that is this team. If you've listened to my show for a period of time, you know that I've said many times that as long as this team has Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, they'll be contenders for a playoff spot. And there's two reasons for that. One, I think both players have immense talent. I think both players are very good, both you know, very good at creating offensive opportunities. Um, I think Seth Jones is a better defender than Zach Wierenski, but I think Zach Wierenski doesn't get enough credit for how well he defends. I'm, I'm, I think both players do a lot, and I think that defensive players have a uh, an ability that a, a good defensive player, in the same way that if you get a in the same way that if you get a uh, a great winger or a great center who can, who plays great defense, they can kind of tilt the ice a little bit because that defender not only can he stop defense, but if he gets a good breakout or if he creates offensive opportunities himself, it, it kind of it can drive what the rest of the offense can do. Because if Zach Rinsky can stop the puck in one zone and starts carrying it out, and either can make a good pass to get into the offensive zone or can go ahead and take it into the offensive zone himself, and then the rest of the offense, you know, and then say the wingers or a winger and a center start playing offense with him, it, it throws the defense off. The defense isn't ready for it, and it advances the puck in a way they weren't ready for. It can make your wingers and your set your forwards better, having that kind of play. So I, I think that great defenders, in the way, in the same way that a, a, a forward who plays good defense can have kind of a an oversized impact on the game than just either you know, a forward who plays good offense but is eh defensively or a defenseman who's a good defender but eh offensively. It it, 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 t- it can tilt the game a little bit. Well, the thing is we saw Zach Wierenski tonight play really well and do all of that and, and really tilt this game for the Blue Jackets in a way. Whereas when you look at all of the other guys that have been injured, I mean... Cam Atkinson has had hat tricks in his career. Oliver Bjorkstrand has had multiple two, you know, two goal games in his career. Players like Seth Jones, he can do those types of things. Josh Anderson, he is a physical presence that can change how games look. Those are multiple players that, if they'd played, you know, not necessarily full seasons, but close to full seasons, 
each one of them can get you some extra, some games like that along the way. It can get you some wins that normally you might not have gotten by just uh, the one I'm thinking off the top of my head right now. That there was a a two one win in New York where Oliver Bjorkstrand scored both goals. If we have more of our better players throughout the whole season, more of those things happen. And and this is a long way of saying that while this season is incredibly frustrating, because I, I don't know how this season will go, maybe the Blue Jackets somehow pull off making the playoffs, maybe they don't. But it, it's a long way of saying that I think the core of this team is still very strong because if you just have league average injuries, you have so many more guys back in who can do so many things that you don't have right now. It's just unbelievable where this team is at as far as dealing with injuries. And that if you had all of these guys, I mean, here's the thing, guys, this team with all of these injuries at this point in the season where we're talking about, you know, every team's under 20 games to go, they're in a playoff spot. Imagine what this team does healthy. Imagine what this team does, you know, next year when we can get Liam Foody here full full time because he will be here full time. I, I don't think there's any doubt. I think anybody that watched him play, I think this team is very ready to get him in uh, in a blue jacket sweater for a full season. I think if Yarmo had had any idea what had happened, you know, that the, the team was going to be as hurt or as banged up as it was, he would have found a way to get Foodie onto the NHL lineup so that he wasn't sent back to sent back to London this year so that he could have been just a regular player in Cleveland because that's there's no I mean it, it's he's he is good enough and he's talented enough that he could be on this team right now so it, it's tough to say any of this stuff because I know that we still have so much to go and I mean this week Wednesday we go to Calgary and then Saturday we go to Edmonton. We have terrible luck against Edmonton. And then next Sunday we get we go to Vancouver. I mean, we're just in a place where every team we're going to play is either is fighting for the playoffs or is good. I mean, with the exception of, I think, the Devils in the whole month of March. I think the Devils game on the 22nd is the only game we're playing against a team that is either not in the playoffs or is not fighting for it. Because, I mean, what, the next closest one down is the Rangers, which that's going to be tough. And and it, what's really tough, too, is there's so few division games left that you just don't, I, I mean, how much of this is in your own control? Because as far as division games against guys who are chasing you that you can try and knock out, you got the Rangers on the 24th, the Islanders on the 30th and you get the Hurricanes on the 3rd of April. So, I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be a weird time guys. Um, I mean, the, the only saving grace right now, the only potential saving grace is in these first couple of weeks of March, we've got some huge window. I mean, we've got, cause after this game, there's Monday, Tuesday off. Then we play Wednesday. Then there's Thursday, Friday off then Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off the next week before we play Pittsburgh and Nashville at home. There's still some back-to-backs in here. Somehow, even though we play this few games in a month, I think there's one, 
two. There's still three back to backs in the month, even though we don't we don't play that many games. But there might be some time to get some of these injuries back, and, and that's the thing. You just don't know about any of them. I mean, Bjorkstrand, his time frame is the same as Seth Jones. Whereas Lincoln's could be any day at this point, from what we understand. I think Gerby's kind of in the same way, where we're not sure. Um, Cam, because it's that weird ankle sprain thing, he could come back at any time. Uh, I think they're just taking their time with Texier at this point. Um, Josh Anderson, which is the the next real story we're going to get to. Uh, after the trade deadline, the Blue Jackets did not move Josh Anderson, which I'm fine with. I think that was an okay move. I... As we've discussed right now, the tricky thing about evaluating this situation as a fan is without Yarmo's knowledge and without the knowledge of, of his agent, Fer- Josh Anderson's agent, Darren Ferris, about, you know, asking for value, um, either that or the team believes they'll be able to re-sign him at, an, at something that they are okay with. Or it could just be as simple as because Josh hadn't played, no one wanted to trade for him, which makes total sense to me. Now, he'd be under team control, so he would be a buy. He wouldn't just be a rental. But if he hasn't played yet, I mean, if you're a team, are you going to sign, are you going to trade any assets, any real assets for a guy who hasn't played in three months or two months? You're not. You're just not going to do it. And I get that. But Pierre Lebron, he wrote uh, in the Athletic about this. Um, the thing is, when you read Lebron's reporting, he said he reached out to Yarmo, he reached out to Darren Ferris, um, and he's saying he deduces that there's a difference of opinion between the players' camp and the team on how to proceed in terms of the injury and recovery. Now, that by him saying he's deducing it, that just means he's just putting together what he knows and saying, hey, this is the conclusion I can come up with. Port's line, I remember hearing talking about this, saying that when he 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 asked Ferris's agent about, you know, is there mistrusted team doctors and whatnot, and that Ferris, you know, refuted that and said, no, no, no. And, and right now what we're hearing from everybody is everybody's saying the right things. And you know what it could be? It could be just as simple as we thought this was a simple shoulder injury and it's not as simple as we thought. And because there's a contract coming up, things are more complicated and no one wants to rush the player back. And I I can understand those things. If you're the Blue Jackets, the summer is when you kind of have to have that knowledge of what's going to happen. Because you either need to get a deal done with Anderson or you need to trade him before arbitration kicks in. That that's all it comes down to, and and honestly, you should be able to get something back for him. Um, what you're kind of looking for is, and, and we'll have to evaluate this as we get closer into the off season. If you are going to make a deal, I mean, the problem with trading a Josh Anderson is as soon as you trade him, you're looking for the next Josh Anderson. You're looking for another player who can fill that role. What you're really hoping to look for is to see if there's another team in a similar situation with a restricted free agent. And you just need a change of scenery if there's a trade that has to happen because that team's not willing to sign anything. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I, 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 right now, it seems like there's a lot of talk about it and just no one knows anything new, but it's 
crazy enough that everyone just wants to know what the next thing is. So that's where I'd say we are with the Josh Anderson situation. Um, something of particular interest to me and to other fans who tend to watch their Blue Jackets games being streamed currently. Uh, there was some crazy kind of quick stuff around YouTube TV and, and, and them having still having Fox Sports Ohio this week. And they tweeted out, I think it was on the 27th or so, they tweeted out saying that they were not going to have the Fox Regional Sports Networks anymore because they couldn't come to a deal with Sinclair Broadcasting. And and they put out what looked like kind of a prepared statement saying that, you know, oh, it wasn't going to work and, you know, they couldn't increase the price to everybody else and all that, which obviously led to some people saying, well, if you're not going to carry it, you're going to drop the price. And they said, well, no, we're not. So who knows what they were doing there. And then pretty quickly, I think it was on the day they were going to drop them, they didn't drop them. And they said, oh, no, we've come to a temporary agreement. And Fox Sports, the Fox Sports regional networks, there's 21 of them. They show 13 hockey league, National Hockey League teams, one of them obviously being the Columbus Blue Jackets. But they've also got the Detroit Red Wings, um, the Minnesota Wild, the Blues, uh, the Predators, the the Hurricanes, uh, the Florida teams, Dallas, the Phoenix Coyotes, and the uh, the LA teams. And my guess as to what happened, the reason that in what seems like about a day, YouTube changed their story on, you know, oh, we're not going to, we can't reach a deal to, oh, we've reached a temporary deal which apparently from from what I've been able to tell from the Sinclair PR, and that's the tricky thing about these situations. Both companies are just putting out PR to make themselves look good in the situation. Uh, the Sinclair people said they were offering a temporary deal while they were things were still being negotiated. And it seems like in 24 hours, YouTube went from saying, nope, we're fine, saying we're done, to, oh, let, yeah, let, we, let's get that temporary deal done so that we can keep them on. If you're like me when you're on Twitter... I went over to the little moments thing and, and saw where everybody was talking about and YouTube TV was listed and it was all these people, you know, doing screenshots of canceling and all this stuff. And and it surprised me that YouTube had even decided to do it because if you if you watch these things like I do and you, most people don't because I'm kind of a nerd for these types of sports media things. YouTube TV has done things like they sponsored the World Series and they sponsored the NBA Finals. And they've really pushed themselves as, yeah, go watch sports with us. Like, everybody's seen the Hulu. Hulu has live sports ads that were done with all the celebrities. YouTube hasn't done it with celebrities, but they've done it with events. And they've really pushed this whole, hey, you can watch sports on YouTube thing, on YouTube TV. So I wonder if they kind of mischaracterized how many people they were going to lose if they canceled that. So I'm wondering if within that first day they were starting to lose enough people that they thought oh no, this decision could go really bad. We have to do something. Now we'll see where it goes. I myself, I was about to, I have YouTube TV. I was thinking of canceling them. Um, They've kept it for now. So for now, I'm going to kind of hang with it and see what happens. We'll see what happens next with it. But it's a, uh, it's an evolving situation. We'll see how it goes. There's, There's been discussion wondering how are these situations with the, the, regional sports network is going to change now that we have now that Sinclair is involved if things like this are how they're changing 
it's not great, but we'll hope for the best. Now, uh, final thing I was going to talk about this week, if you follow the NHL, you've heard the David Ayer story out of Toronto. Um, essentially what happened was the Maple Leafs were playing the were playing the Carolina Hurricanes. Both Hurricanes goalies went down. So David Ayers, who is the essentially the in-house goalie for the Maple Leafs, and essentially how this works, if you're unaware, is at every NHL game, the home team is responsible for making sure there is essentially an extra person in the building who has either like college goalie experience or junior or something like that. And the idea is that if both goalies get hurt, this person can step in and play goalie for either team. Well, he stepped in. Uh, he let in two goals early, but then Carolina really played lockdown hockey, really played defensive protection in front of him, and the the Hurricanes won the game. After this, David Harris does a media tour. He goes on the late show. I mean, he just has you know has a lot of fun with it. It's a big media thing. It's fun. This has led to a lot of consternation about how some people are like, oh, this is embarrassing to hockey, and other people are saying, no, it's fun. Let it be. I think probably the smartest, the most measured thing I've heard of it was what Elliot Friedman said on his on 31 Thoughts podcast this week, which was what happened is great and is a fun story. And if you're David Ayers, run with it. Have a great time with it. This is an incredible experience for anyone to have. We're happy for you. But you don't evaluate... Just because the result turned out well doesn't mean the process that you have in place is good and that we should reevaluate this process of this emergency backup goaltender. And I don't think he's wrong there. I, I think the process of just having a dude who just jumps in and plays is strange. It feels minor league. It doesn't feel like a major sports league. Um one of the examples during trade deadline talk about it was somebody mentioned, you know, if the Dallas Cowboys have two quarterbacks that get hurt, you don't pull somebody out of the stands to play quarterback. And they're not wrong. And again, I'm not saying that if you enjoyed the David Ayer stuff, there was that was bad. No, that was a lot of fun. That was a really enjoyable experience. What I'm saying is when you're the best in the league in the world at something, which the NHL is, this shouldn't be your backup plan for when things go poorly. And and this is a very rare situation. This is a one in a... Th- I think the ESPN wrote an article about this. I think it was a, a, a Wyshynski piece um, about how this isn't a problem. And something he said that was funny was, this is more rare than some comments for, for both goalies to get hurt in a game. And it is an incredibly rare occurrence. I've heard, you know, there's several ideas out there on how to fix it. Some of them I'm just fine with. One was every team has to have somebody on staff, almost like a coach, that can play goalie if needed. Um, and if the team chooses for him not to travel, that's on the team. But you don't provide that some house goalie anymore. I've heard some people say it's just as simple as letting teams carry three goaltenders on the roster. And essentially you could have like, you know, you could have the two dress and have the third one go up to the press box. And... You know, if one if one goes down, the one guy from the press box would be allowed to come down and dress. My personal favorite is going back to that example of if the Dallas Cowboys have two quarterbacks get hurt, what happens? 
well, you just have whoever is on the field line up at quarterback and start trying to play. And if you have to change how you play around them, then so be it. I like that idea. I really like the idea of, you know, whoever you dress for the game, get some goalie equipment on them. Just just have a non-goalie player have to play goal. And does that mean you're going to get schlacked and lose? You know, he's going to let in 10 shots? Maybe. But it's the guys you brought with you then. I, I like that idea personally. And maybe you have one guy who, you know, during practices every once in a while, he'll put on the goalie gear and go and do some basic stuff. But I just, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think that would be the best way to do it. So just my thoughts on the matter there. Until next time, get your coffee this week. Um, the nice thing is normally when they do these Western Conference road games with late night starts, they end up, it seems like half the time there, they're like, you know, early in the week and it's Monday and Tuesday. So this, we just got one on Wednesday, which I think is a 930 start, which isn't too bad. And the next one's a Saturday, which is great. So thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, and go Jackets. This has been the Shoot Once Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shoot Once Pod.